imagine some uh, some ninjas came in to, to sort of commandeer the nuclear base or someone like Bruce Willis or who, who would it be? It'd be Alan Rickman, wouldn't it? So Alan Rickman. <laughs> when he was alive, I hope. When he was that, alive. It's not a Weekend at Bernie situation. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so... <laughs> Smashing Security, Episode 230, Flash Cardiff Up, and Energy Pipe Pilfering, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, Episode 230. My name is Graham Cluley. I'm Carol Terrio. And this week, Carol, we are joined by somebody who doesn't actually exist. No, we have nobody this week for a number of different reasons, including childcare. I think, Graham. That's right. Yes. And uh, so there's just a vacant seat at our virtual table today. Well, we'll give her a name. We'll call her Lola. We don't have enough women on this show. All right. I mean, I know I'm here all the time, but I mean in guests. You know. Okay. So, well, thank you, Lola, for joining us. And maybe we'll hear some more from you later. Um, oh, I'm so excited to be here. I love Coral so much. <laughs> Thanks to this week's sponsors, 1Password, Deep Secure, and Jump Cloud. Their support helps us give you this show for free. Now, coming up on today's show, Graham, what do you got? Flash. Hi, Is it really that great? In English? Sorry, sorry I just didn't understand. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about, well, not, not Adobe Flash, but a different kind of Flash. Okay, and I'm talking about jazz cigarettes. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Now, chums, chums, a question for you. Do you want to play a game? Oh, my God. Do you want to play a game? (laughs) Yes, I can't wait. Play us. I'd love to play a game. Well, no, no. Those are the words, Scroll. That is a famous phrase. From a movie from yesteryear, it's the famous line that a computer spits out at Matthew Broderick mm. in the movie War Games from 1983. Have you ever seen it? I don't know if I have. I've, I've never seen it. Yeah, but I'm kind of surprised I haven't. Yeah. I bet my husband's seen it, though. Oh, He's a bit of a he film has. buff thingy. He, he yeah. would have done it. Well, in that movie, a young hacker, a teenage hacker, unwittingly accesses a U.S. military supercomputer programmed to predict and execute nuclear war against the Soviet Union. It's a comedy? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen it, Crow. It's got to it. be a comedy. With Matthew Broderick? <laughs> right? How can anyone take his little face seriously? I, I think you're, you're mixing it up with Ferris Bueller. That was fun. Yes. No, I, I, I'm not mixing it up. I know that that line is not in that movie because I've watched that movie a lot. Well, it would be pretty dangerous, wouldn't it, if a hacker, young or otherwise, Matthew Broderick or someone else, were able to access a US military computer which had that kind of power, which was working out game plans as to how to react during the Cold War. It'd be absolutely terrifying. You can't even tell me how they were able to access this computer in 1983. We're via an acoustic coupler, I imagine. He would have just, it would have been like dialing up a bulletin board. Of course. course. I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but I'm guessing that's what happened. (laughs) The land of disinformation is closer than you think. (laughs) Listeners, I'm sure 98% of our listeners have seen the movie and would be able to confirm that I'm completely correct. Yes, let us know. Tweet us. And tell us we're bad for not having ever seen war games and 
Have you ever seen the movie Hackers with Angelina Jolie? Yes. Oh, I haven't. But not for a long time. Sneakers with Robert Redford? Yes. I haven't seen that one either. I think we might have to have a movie night. Anyway, listen, that was all a movie, wasn't it? War games and real nuclear weapons based in countries around the world are obviously carefully secured with their locations, often kept officially secret. Now, my understanding is some people say that the reason why the locations of where nuclear weapons are are held uh, is kept secret is not so much because they really think it will be kept secret and that Johnny Foreigner won't be able to work it out, but rather that they're worried about public reaction in those countries as to how they would feel knowing that they have nuclear weapons down the end of their street. Yeah, so, that so rather, we don't want people to know that they actually have deadly missiles in their country because that's not good public awareness. People well, it, know that. It, it's it, some people view it rather dimly, you know, and they yeah. think, well, we, yeah, we don't really weird want about those. That. Weird. Weird that people don't like nuclear weapons, though, isn't it? It's it so is strange. strange. So Very strange. strange. Very strange. So that's the kind of information you wouldn't expect to be in the public domain. Now, there are, as we've mentioned sometimes before, some amazing wizards at Bellingcat. They're like experts at OSINT. They're experts at finding out information which you would imagine people would want to keep secret. And they were interested as to what information might be just lying around in the public domain about nuclear weapon bases across Europe. So what, you just slap in that search term in Google? Well, no, you, you, don't just, you don't just go to Quora <laughs> and ask the question, where are the nuclear <laughs> weapons bases? But, but you're right. They did use a highly advanced tool known as Google to search, <laughs> did they? Did to, they? Search, to search the internet for certain phrases associated with nuclear weapons technology and bases. And I wouldn't know what that is. What, are that, what is that? Can oh, you tell that me? Were, yeah, well, they, they, they came up with a number of them. Phrases okay. like, um, hang on, there was there was PAS, okay. which stands for Protective Aircraft Shelter, and WS3, which stands for Weapons Storage and Security Systems. Uh, words like that and Vault, apparently, are the kind of thing which will then reveal all kinds of information. Mm. So you're wondering, well, where, where where is this information held? Is it on the web pages? Is it on the public official web pages? Of these military bases. Yes, here's the photo gallery. (laughs) Here we are. (laughs) No, it's not on those at all. It's on Google Maps. It's on Google Maps. It's It might be by now, but no, (laughs) it's on flashcards. Flashcards? Do you know what flashcards are? No. So flashcards is a way of learning dull, boring information. Oh, no, I know that. I know that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know like flashcards to learn stuff. Yes. Sorry. I thought there was some, some digital term. See, I didn't know this. Well, yeah. You only speak one language, though, right? <laughs> you, you tell me. I can speak dolphin as well. You tell me if I've got this wrong about how flashcards work. A flashcard is like a postcard, and on one side you ask the question, and on the other side you write the answer, and then you kind of shuffle them up, and you look at them, and you have this repetition yeah. of, is that, is that basically Or you it? could have, like, so if you're learning a language, you'll create some flashcards for yourself with the English word, for example, for me, on one side, and then maybe oh. the Japanese word on the other side, right? And then you can show the Japanese word to someone who speaks Japanese, and you see the word that you understand, oh. and you then, and they go, or ka-ting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought the noises. That's interesting, because I heard that Duolingo 
have a flashcard app. And of course, oh, I don't, I don't know about apps. I've never done right. apps. But. Well, there are flashcard apps as well. Right. For people who don't want to carry around lots of postcards, I guess. <laughs> My husband made what made one out of a cornflake box, actually. And he still has it to this day. He made it when he was about 12. But what to learn what? Um, some language. I don't know. One of the 15 languages he speaks. Probably Elvish. <laughs> no, no, no. He's cool. Come on. Wookie. <laughs> okay. So, so there are flashcard apps out there. And it turns out that soldiers and contractors, people who are working in military bases, need mm. to know a lot of information and they need it at their, well, their sort of mental fingertips, if you can imagine mental fingertips. So they need to have it top of their brain. And the way in which they learn these things is by using flashcard apps. There's one called Cram and one called Chegg. Right. So if you were a student, you would totally know about these. Right. These, well, if, yeah, yeah. Right. 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 So. Mm -hmm. And so they, they just plugged in this information, which they needed to know, into these flashcard apps and then along comes the Bellingcat group with a copy of Google. And they're searching and they find themselves on public flashcards related to nuclear weapon facilities. Um, wow. I was just going to ask, okay, give me a name of one of these apps and I will check it up on the App Store just to see what they're, you know. There's one called Cram, C-R-A-M. Yeah, right. Okay. And there's Chegg with a double G, C-H-E-G-G. -G. Yeah, flashcards with cram. Okay, I'm going down to their okay. security stuff. All right, okay. No details provided. The developer will be required to provide privacy details when they submit their next app update. So uh -huh. there you go. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And the other mm -hmm. one was Chegg? Chegg with two Gs, as in Cheggers. I've heard of that, actually. Okay. I do, yeah. It's called, uh, it's called Homework Help. Oh, Wow. Data linked to you, purchases, user content, identifiers, diagnosis, contact info, search history, usage data, and other data. So, well done, guys. So, there's a fair amount uh, of information which you reckon at least Chegg is collecting from its users. But this, these flashcards are, of course, information which people have entered into the app. Yep. Uh, to, to use as flashcards. And... And they haven't turned off the make private only to me. Ha, ha, ha. Well, this is the thing. I'm us. guessing. I'm guessing. It mm -hmm. turns out that many of these flashcard apps appear to be public by default. Yeah. So when you put the information in them. So let me give you some examples of the kind of information which people were putting into their flashcard. It app. won't mean much to me, but let's just try. So it wasn't just the names of bases, but okay. also... Details of the exact shelters which had so-called hot vaults. And hot vaults are those which are likely to actually contain the nuclear weapons. So you may have a site with a number of shelters, but the hot vaults are the ones where the, the nukes are kept, right? They also put on wow. these flashcards the position of security cameras. What do you mean they put the position? They took photos so, and no, someone no, no, was able to work out the position? No, or? they would put on the, on one side of the digital postcard, they would put, where are the security cameras? And on the other side, they would put, well, we've got one on the north perimeter wall, 38 metres okay. along, and we have I another one you. here. So anything which they, they felt they needed to know. So these are people working there and they need, they're going to have an exam or they're going to be tested and they well, need they just, to know all this information. They feel they need to know the information in order to do their job properly. Can I tell you some more things they put on these flashcards? Yes. The frequency of security patrols around the vaults. The secret words that guards could use if they were being threatened or under duress. So imagine some, uh, some ninjas came in to, to sort of 
commandeer the nuclear base or someone like Bruce Willis or, or who, who would it be? It'd be Alan Rickman, wouldn't it? So Alan Rickman coming <laughs> when in. He right? alive, when he was that, alive, I hope. It's not like it's not a weekend at Bernie situation. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so so if if they've got a gun against a guard's head, right? The guard, if he has to radio in to HQ, if he uses a word like pomplemousse or something like that, that would indicate that he was being threatened, right? And Sank was going down. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But this way, the baddies know what those words are. Don't they do this in like in uh, in uh, adult playtime as well? Though you have like I'm a not sure it's word? the same as safe words, Crow. People okay. say. <laughs> you mean like. <laughs> When people are nailing parts of their partner's anatomy to a plank of wood. I wouldn't know. Carry on. If you're just saying, ouch, <laughs> that's not good enough. You have to say pomplemousse. Um, and uh, also, what to yell at intruders in their local language to make them stop? Because it may be a See, U.S. service. I understand, though. I get it. I right? get it. They're trying to learn all this stuff. And they're like, I can't cram this in my head. I need help. Uh, why use pen and paper? Right? Yep. I've got this computer, this supercomputer in my hand. Yeah, and I, I've got it all the time with me. If someone asks me a difficult question, I can nip off to the loo, quickly look at my phone, and then I know the answer again. Yeah. So Bellingcat were able to discover cards used by military personnel serving at all six European military bases reported to store nuclear devices. Oh, fuck. Gee, you know what? I really feel for the kids, though, that are being absolutely It's not kids, bro. Right now. They're, not, they're not being protected by kids. <laughs> they, haven't got, they haven't got... What? I don't mean children. There aren't that many I just mean younger than me, probably. Yeah, okay, younger than you. Okay, that's a much yeah. bigger age range, yes. <laughs> so some of these personnel were storing huge amounts of information. One guy... Noted down over a hundred things he had to know regarding his job, including the location yeah. of modems that connected vaults to the monitoring facility. Uh, not Aww. only the, where the security cameras were, but their line of sight. Yeah, you know which way they were pointing, and and how passwords should be chosen, and usernames, and some of the rules regarding that as well. Some of these had been available and publicly visible online, going back as far as twenty thirteen. <laughs> so. So so this is down to bosses. Isn't it down to like the head honcho going, you better know every single thing about this facility. I mean the camera line. I mean what you see. I mean how many people in the room every single time. Or whatever, 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 on and on. So they're like, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. And then they, yeah. So who is oh, so, really so your solution, Carol, is that the sergeant majors or whoever should just be much nicer and fluffier. <laughs> well, and just say, nicer, oh, there, there, don't worry about it. It's only nuclear weapons. Give mm, them a diddums, book. Diddums. You don't have to learn too paper. much. What? And say, don't store any of this shit on your phone anywhere. I would kind of think that had been around for a while. That's what I think is most shocking about the story, no? I'm, I'm sure they're making that point now. But the thing is, even when people are told not to do things for the sheer convenience, if they are cramming for a test or if they're worried that No, no, no. If you're working for nuclear weapons, they say, do not put any fucking thing on your phone, you wouldn't. Unless you're a dweebo, I think. Well, in the past, Bellingcat have, for instance, they've found out where sporty personnel were uh, running around the base, the perimeter of bases, haven't they? They've looked at things like, was it Strava, which they uh, were able to find people's public routes. There's all kinds of information. There was even that beer app as well. I think we've spoken about this before. Favourite beers which military personnel were drinking. It's kind of scary though, right? All these people are walking around with all that information as well. And yes. One of them, yeah. And then have posted it publicly on the internet. 
And some of them cry. No, they didn't mean to. They didn't mean to. Come on. Okay. You don't think anyone did this on purpose. Well, I suppose. No, right? I, no, and none I of them are that. experts in cybersecurity. So get off, you know, let's be a little gentle here. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'll 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 think much more kindly as the nuclear weapon. Begins. You won't have time to think if that happens, don't worry, baby. <laughs> now some of these flashcards had usernames associated with them, some of which were the full names of the individuals who created them. Some even had avatars which were the same image these people were using on LinkedIn. So again, there's all kinds. I wonder how many stupid things I have somewhere that are defaulted to public and I have no idea that I don't even play with anymore, right? Well, like from the olden days. I have no idea. I wouldn't. How would one go about checking that? You don't even know. Carol, I wasn't planning to reveal this for another few months or so, but right? I've been working on a project for the last mm-hmm. couple of years, spotlighting mm-hmm. you and your online activity. Stalking Collect- me, you mean? Collecting or- information. For the- <laughs> right, great. Just- everyone, everyone heard that. Good. Anyway, um, Lola, what have you got for us this week? Let's just go to Crawl. She's so smart. Okay, Carol, <laughs> what have you got for us this week? Okay, Graham, first I need your help. I need you to describe to me what an English nerd is. An English nerd. If I say the word nerd, how, what um, does that mean to so, you? Someone who's maybe um, really keenly enthusiastic about a particular niche topic. Like you could be a sort of like a a sci-fi nerd. Socks. Socks. Yeah. Well, that, I think what you're thinking about there is a fetish, not a... <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you know, it would be like you could be into science fiction and fantasy, or you could be into a Game of Thrones nerd, or you could be into... Um, Oh, I don't know, uh, train spotting or something like that. That was all kind of right into something is is your definition. Yes, there. I mean fairly fairly harmless, I would say. You know. Okay, what about a geek? Oh well, geek, nerd and geek. What's the difference? The, the I one's think just there more... is. A, I think there is a difference. I think geeks tend to be more into technology. So in a way, they they could almost be a subset of nerd. I think there's some overlap. There's a bit of a Venn diagram going Venn on. Venn diagram. Love that. Mm. Okay. Okay, cool. So that's interesting. And let's put that in our back pocket for this story. Okay. Because we are heading to a Tipton Industrial Estate. Oh, yeah. Now, this is about 30 minutes northwest of Birmingham in the UK. And uh, this particular industrial estate is called Great Bridge. Actually, why don't we go to Great Bridge Industrial Estate, Graham? Why don't you come along with me? Let me Am I allowed to under lockdown? Is this allowed? <laughs> okay, here I am. Okay, I'm here. I'm at like a street view thing. Yeah. There's an articulated lorry. Right. You got to imagine it's kind of like just lots of buildings, lots of trucks, a lot of cars, a lot of working people. It's actually on. It's on. It's on a street with some fairly ordinary looking houses. Yeah. You know, it's. It's. You know. It's not. It's not a wasteland, is it? No, it's not a wasteland. No. Despite being near Birmingham. Whoa, sorry, Brummy friends. <laughs> okay, so so now you've got our scene, right? This is the scene. Mm. Now, the cops get a tip-off or two that not all is right on this industrial estate. One of the empty units, it seems, was getting a heck of a lot of foot traffic. Right. And one anonymous owner of a unit nearby said uh, there were three men who looked a bit nerdy and dodgy had been coming to this empty unit on and off for around eight months. Is it possible to look nerdy and dodgy? (laughs) So what could they be doing in there? Like, these aren't 
kids, as far as we know, so they're going into a lockoff. And according to the police tip-off, it was being used as a jazz cigarette farm. Oh, the old Mary Jane. The old Mary Jane. Mm. So the West Midland cops, being pretty modern, sent over a drone. Oh, that's so cool. And guess what? The drone records a sizable heat source from the unit. And that ties totally with growing Laganja indoors because you need to use things like heat lamps, which produce light and heat. It could just be bad air conditioning or something, couldn't it? It could be. I'm imagining if it was like 22 degrees, they probably wouldn't have done anything with it. But maybe it was like belting it out. Right. Okay. So, so... Based on the information they were able to collect, the police organized a forced entry event. <laughs> a forced entry event. That's a, Yeah, that's what the Birmingham <laughs> Mail called it. A forced entry event. So this was for the 18th of Why May. Why don't they just call right? it a raid? It's, it's a, a raid, raid, right? They call it a forced entry. It's a raid. It's basically where they show up unannounced and bust in like Arnie. That's so typical of the police. So we initiated a forced entry <laughs> event. No, we didn't. We went round with a sledgehammer. Yeah, <laughs> not a sledgehammer, one of those, one of those door buster oh, things, yeah. those incredible things. Yeah. yeah. Now, of course, they're going in and they're expecting to find a unit full of Mary Jane, right. maybe three stoned out nerds in the corner in a heap. Right. Um, but instead, they find this. Now, let me see if I can share this with you. Oh, look at this. So what we've got here is racks and racks of, um, oh, racks and racks of computing stuff. It yeah, looks like, with some big heavy fans attached to them, <laughs> trying to like, keep them cool. Look at those! Doesn't it look like a sci-fi program? It, oh. The ginormous extractor, like the what are they called? Those um, the extractor fan tubes, huge, huge tubes. Well, I going think out. I know what this is, Carl. Oh, have you figured it out? I think mm-hmm. I have. I think this is a mm-hmm. this is a my a cryptocurrency mining rig, isn't it? Exactly. So it's it, currently in the press, suspected legal crypto mining rig, right? right? And it's made up for about 100 computer units. Can you imagine the noise from that? Like, it must well, oh, hang sound... on. How is this illegal? Why is it illegal to have a cryptocurrency mining rig? Well, it's not illegal to have a crypto mining okay. rig. Right. It's illegal to steal uh, someone else's electricity to do it. Oh. <laughs> So this isn't their, this is not their unit. They actually dug underground to connect themselves to the uh, energy pipe. <laughs> the energy pipe? The energy pipe. <laughs> they didn't just use an extension lead from next door and trail it out the window into their unit. So no, they dug down, they dug down to get access to electricity. And now, according to Mail Online. They say that they probably stole around sixteen thousand pounds worth of electricity to keep this running. Because isn't this the problem with crypto mining? Is that you spend more money running your mining rig than you manage to make from actually mining the cryptocurrency because of the costs of the electricity. Right. Yeah, let's explain that, actually. So the mining process requires Mm. computers to complete rapid calculations to solve the same puzzle. So all the computers are competing to solve the same puzzle. And it always takes 10 minutes. And the winner uh, that managed to do the puzzle is rewarded a tiny amount of digital Bitcoin. And then a new puzzle is generated and the whole process repeats itself every 10 minutes. Now, the more people mining, the harder the puzzle gets. 
which means it takes more electricity to run the calculations. So, Graham, you're absolutely right. In countries like ours in the UK, you ain't going to make a huge chunk of change if you're no. paying your lucky bill. But apparently most of the mining, according to Statista, is done out of China. 65% is done there, whereas apparently only about 7% is done in the US and Russia. Anyway, so they were illegally snarfling lucky without paying for it to the turn of 16K, if you believe the mail online. Yeah. The Beeb did say that inquiries of the local electricity distribution network, Western Power Distribution, found an illegal connection to the electricity supply. But I'll tell you what I think is super weird by this picture. Now, I'm not a pot farmer. I've never been a pot farmer. I've never even visited a pot farm. <laughs> but, it seems, but it seems to me from the pic <laughs> that there's a heck of a lot of ventilation ducts. There are. It's huge. Yes. Right? They, like they, they're they, massive. Yes. They do. And um, the idea is I thought if you're farming something indoors like pot, you want the heat. You don't extract the heat. Right. Right? It's kind of like whacking up the heat in your house and keeping the windows and doors open all the time. Okay. Yeah, you want it to be a greenhouse, I imagine. Yeah. And you have heat lamps to provide light and heat. So I'm not sure how they thought it would be a pot thing. I mean, what was the stink of pot around? Like, I don't, yeah. I imagine there's still what, I mean, even though they have all the ventilation there, I imagine it was still quite warm in there with that many computers were in a way. Graham, I just had a serious, serious brain fart. Oh, if you lived in a place, right, where... Where farming pot was legal, yes. couldn't and 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 electricity was cheap. Couldn't right. you combine your efforts, have the crypto mining process going on, generating tons of fucking heat, and then schmoosh that heat over to your pot plants, so they can get all. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying here? Wouldn't it yes. be great? <laughs> yes, I've just trademarked it. Thank you for that suggestion. <laughs> That's genius. There you go. Everyone can have that for free because I'm amazing. a citizen of the world. That's incredible. <laughs> chums, chums, if you remember one thing from today's episode, it should be to check out the leading cloud directory platform, JumpCloud. JumpCloud's directory platform makes it easier to solve today's IT challenges by unifying device and user management through a single pane of glass. With JumpCloud securely managing your users and their devices, doing common things like onboarding and offboarding remote workers is easy. Try JumpCloud for free today at smashingsecurity.com slash jumpcloud and help your organization move to a modern, secure, hybrid work model. Deep Secure Threat Removal is a very cool product which takes incoming poisoned Word documents, booby-trapped PowerPoint slides, and the like, and creates brand new files with just the good stuff and none of the bad. It is a neat way of handling brand new threats coming into organizations via web, email, or file sharing, and it can run along your existing antivirus. Threat Removal gives you the good stuff by delivering files that are 100% threat-free, fully functional, and fully revisible. Adding Threat Removal to your defense can help you reduce administrative costs as it doesn't require signature updates or security patches and reduces the time your security team spends on false positives and remediation. Visit deep-secure.com forward slash smashing security. That's deep secure with a hyphen dot com slash smashing security for more information and to set up your free trial today. And deep thanks to Deep Secure for sponsoring the show. 
Around 80% of business data breaches result from weak or reused passwords. Using 1Password can close the gaps in your company's security, combat shadow IT, and help your employees stay both productive and secure wherever they are. 1Password makes the secure thing to do the easiest thing to do. Quickly deploy 1Password to a single team, multiple teams, or your entire enterprise. Provision employees using trusted systems, respond rapidly to domain breach reports, and offer every business user a free 1Password Families account for work-from-home security. Find out more and try 1Password for free for 14 days at onepassword.com. And thanks to 1Password for supporting the show. And welcome back. And you join us our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. <laughs> Thanks, Loda. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. Doesn't have to be security-related, necessarily. Better not be. Now, my Pick of the Week this week is not security-related. My Pick of the Week this week is to do with magic. And you didn't even choose a pick of the week for me that I would like. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just, I'm here on my own. What? Okay. What? Magic. Oh, no, you'll like this. Oh, I will? Yes. Okay, 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 This sorry. is about, well, I would hope you would. <laughs> this is about an extraordinary magician called David Berglas. He's still alive. He's 94 years old. Good and for him. he invented. He's made it. He has made it, and he invented an incredible card trick, which has become known as the amazing Burglass effect. Now, this particular trick which he does is that there's a type of magic trick called any card, any number, right? But he does it in an incredible way. It works like this. He has a pack of cards, which he doesn't touch. He gets someone in the audience to say a card. Say a card, right. any card you like. Are you sure you want that card? You choose whatever card okay, you like. Okay, Queen of Hearts, Queen of Hearts. Queen of right. Hearts. Then yep. he goes to someone else, like Lola. Hey, Lola, say a number between 1 and 52. 12. Thank you, Lola. So we've got the Queen of Hearts and we've got the 12. And then somebody picks up the pack of cards, not him. He hasn't touched the cards. And they take each card from the top of the pack, one by one, and they turn it over, face up, going one, two, three. For blah blah blah, they get to number twelve. They turn over number twelve, and what card is it? I don't know. It's the Queen of Flipping Hearts. Of course it is. And um, is that because people are in on it? No, that's the thing, Crow. There are no stooges. There's okay, but no it's a trick. It's a it. trick. It's more like, than a trick. It's an incredible card trick. Okay. It's an incredible card trick, but now, the key word here is trick. Well, of course. Does he yeah. tell us what it is? No, he does not. And oh, he never well has. Then. He's never explained it. And other magicians have been spending the last 50 odd years scratching their heads, <laughs> trying to work out how no, no, no. this is done. There are variations on the trick, but no one else seems to quite do it without rigging the cards or touching the cards. It's called a trick for a reason. It is called a trick. Now that trick. Okay, so there are ways of doing it without rigging the cards, right? Okay. If you had Darren Brown-style mental skills to influence people. What, like a psychological abuser. If you, were, <laughs> if you were able to influence the people in the audience to saying a particular number or choosing a particular card, 
then that would go some way towards doing the trick, right? Well, the whole way, if you were really good at it. If you're really, you'd have to be really you're good like, at oh, it. You're like, oh, dozen eggs. Oh, look, dozen donuts. Give me a number. <laughs> Twelve. <laughs> Carol, what if the pack of cards is also shuffled by somebody else? Okay. Right. Now I think you're really impressed. Now, there's a great article about this in the New York Times, all about the Berglas effect, where they went and interviewed David Berglas, who uh, is living in London these days, and an interesting chap he seems to be as well. He's 94 now, though, right? He's 94 now. Yeah, he's, he's not. But there are videos of him online, and I'm going to also link in the show notes to a video where you see him doing the trick. I think it's actually at a school. He's, I think it's like a fundraiser for a school event where he's doing it. He's come out of retirement. He's been retired for 20-odd years. He comes out of retirement, and he does this trick and other tricks as well. And this particular video is commentated by other magicians who are just sitting there in awe on an hour of watching David Berglas going, this is incredible. How That's because they want they want the secret. Maybe he's saying, he's saying you know, they have to stand in awe because maybe they want to um, inherit all his tricks. And so there's in there, he's Maybe. 94, and they're like, wow, he's amazing. Well, the thing is, normally in the magic community, magicians do quite often share with others details of how they do their tricks. And there's plenty of YouTube videos showing other ways to do this particular trick, but no one does it quite like David Berglas because no one can work out quite how he does it. So that is my pick of the week. Darren Air. Lola, have you got a pick for the week? I'll just pass on to Kroll because she's so great. Okay, Kroll. <laughs> Maybe you can pick up the tab here. So my pick of the week is, surprise, 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 a podcast. Oh, lovely. You know it, Graham, because I got you hooked, I hope, called West Cork. Oh, yes. By Yarn FM. Now, I'll give everyone the premise first, right? And then mm. we can discuss it. Okay, so mm. 1996. 1996, French film producer Sophie Toscan du Plantier is found dead near her holiday home in Ireland, near Cork. There are no witnesses and no known motive. But police suspect one man in the community, but they can't make the charge stick. And you'd think that people in that situation would just leave town because everyone thinks you're a murderer. You the suspect, yeah. Yeah, suspect. But he refuses to leave. So the documentary has been made by Sam Bungie. He's a Guardian, Daily Beast journalist, and his wife, TV documentary maker, Jennifer Ford. Mm. Um, and it was published in 2018, but only on Audible. But earlier this year, it was made freely available uh -huh. to everybody on iTunes and Spotify. So, Graham, where are you? I finished it this morning. Have you? 14 episodes, yeah. I have just finished episode seven. Right. Okay. And, wh and what are you thinking so far? What makes this interesting, Ooh. if at all? Well, it, it was a bit of a slow burner for me, to be honest. I think I had to listen to probably two or maybe three episodes before I was hooked. Yep. But once that had happened... As soon as you meet the suspect. Well, this is the thing, because this chap, as you mentioned, who stayed in West Cork, um, despite the murder 25-odd years ago, it, <laughs> he participates in the podcast. And yes. you're listening to him. And yes. how can I put this? He's not very likable. <laughs> right? You're listening and you're thinking, I'm trying to keep an open mind here, but I'm kind of thinking, it's kind of plausible you might have done it, mate. Yeah. It makes you realize, though, if ever you're in a court of law and you've got jurors that are making the decision for you, be likable. Because yes. it really does impact your sight. Yes. So I, I feel very similar to this as I did Wienergate. 
and Staircase, where you had like the, you know, both utterly delicious documentaries, listeners, but where the key protagonist is also the person who is the commentator or they're participating they're in participating. the documentary yes yeah but they're also the key yeah it's yeah, they're almost central to the whole the whole documentary yes both of those were yeah, great the main dick of the story if you will now now yeah that was for wiener <laughs> because i thought that with this particular chap it's it seems like he almost craves the no- although he complains constantly you know nobody likes me and all the rest of it he kind of can't resist it can he he's it's he likes the notoriety i think he likes the attention I think I can say this. I'll say this and then you tell you tell me if I have to take it out or not. But one thing I think I can give away because it's given away quite early in the pod is that he is also the main journalist in the area covering the murder story locally. Yeah. And yeah. he is basically meeting with the cops and having interviews and then he's reporting on on that but he's never declaring that he is actually being interviewed by the cops. Freaky. That's what got me hooked. Was that yeah. was when I was like, oh, this is now super interesting. Imagine if Elon Musk had been killed in some bizarre ritual sacrifice thing. You'd cry for days. And wouldn't you? no, I would not. And then Rory Keflin Jones was reporting on it for the BBC. And right. then it emerges that Rory had been hanging around with him or had some sort of interest in Elon Musk, maybe researching his new book. And it's kind of like, oh interesting but of course rory's really likable i don't want it's to suggest more than that it's like it's like rory being <laughs> being the cop saying to rory hey we think you did it and then he's reporting on it going you won't believe it they found a suspect <laughs> it's crazy anyway really fascinating they're apparently making like three movies of this three different houses are making movies of this and some might be already published some are soon to be published yeah i heard there's a netflix show about to come out yeah there's, well. yeah there's two more anyway so so I don't know. I quite like it. And I like, I like the pacing of it a lot as well. And I mm. think it's, he's quite an interesting character. Mm. So it's called West Cork by Yarn FM. And you can find it wherever you get your good podcasts or maybe just on Apple and Spotify. It's not a great name for a podcast or is it? I remember it. There's many I don't remember. You don't, yeah, but you don't see the name and, you know, you know. You can, yeah. Yeah, but there's so many, like, death, you know, blah, blah, like, I don't know. I like it. I like it. Okay. All right. Excellent. Well, that just about wraps up this very special show. Um, Lola, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online. What's the best way for folks to do that? Just listen to Sticky Pickles. <laughs> <laughs> and you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity. No G. Twitter will allows to have a G, and we're also up on Reddit as well. And don't forget to ensure you never miss another episode. Follow Smashing Security in your favourite podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And huge thank you to this week's episode sponsors, 1Password, JumpCloud, and Deep Secure, and to our wonderful Patreon community. It's thanks to all of them this show is free. For episode show notes, sponsorship information, guest lists, and the entire back catalogue of more than 229 episodes, check out smashingsecurity.com. Until next time, cheerio, bye-bye. Bye! Oh, nicely done, Lola. Hey, that wasn't too painful for you, I hope. She checked out. Oh. She's probably drunk already. She's probably on the jazz cigarettes. She got excited when I told my story. <laughs>
Hello, Carol here from Smashing Security. More enchanting news for you. So, want to know how many reviews we've received worldwide to date? According to Chartable, we have received a whopping 586 ratings. About 99% of them, five stars. And no one can sneeze at that. So let's highlight Obi-Wan Kenobi. They write, So glad I found this podcast just before lockdown. Listened to one, instantly hooked, then caught up on the 150 plus I'd missed. Often binge listening to six plus a day whilst working from home. Who knew the world of cybersecurity could be so entertaining? Keep up the good work. We will and we salute you, Obi-Wan Kenobi. In fact, we salute you all for listening for supporting us, for just being alive, really. I mean, you know, sometimes it can be pretty cool. Anyway, buckets of love and keep them coming.